This podcast provides audio versions of live webinars. Please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. Welcome to Listen In, a bite-sized bio podcast series allowing you to access the best of bite-sized bio webinars wherever you are. Hello, this is Nick Oswald, the founder of Bitesize Bio, and welcome to this Bitesize Bio webinar, which is part of a new series that we are calling The Happy Scientist. This series will focus on actionable steps you can take to make sure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Today's presentation is titled The Happy Scientist Presents the Art of Going Slow, and it's been presented by Kenneth Vogt, who's the commercial director and the kind of head coach at Bitesize Bio. A lot, and I'll be helping a little myself too. As always, we will have a Q&A session after the presentation. Uh, so please type any questions that you have into the questions box, which appears on the right-hand side of your screen, and we will answer them during the course of the broadcast. So now over to you, Ken, to get the presentation started. All right, thanks, Nick. So going slow. A lot of you are right now thinking, that is exactly what's happening to me. I'm going slow against my own will. It's not what I wanted, but it is what it is. So what we're going to talk about today is why this little blip on the screen that has forced you to take a look at some things and change some things, there may be some takeaways here that you're going to want to carry forward. And going slow is actually quite beneficial. So we'll start off by asking the obvious question, why would I want to do this? You know, like I'm doing it now because I'm being forced, but I, I'm not sure I see the advantage of going slow. In fact, I feel like I'll just end up doing less and I won't be as competitive and I won't be as as highly regarded. And you might have all kinds of ideas in your head of why slow doesn't wouldn't work for you. But we're going to try and put some ideas in your head about why it will work for you and how you can take advantage of this. and how you can and how you can really get some lasting gains out of it. So the first thing that you get out of going slow is you have greater clarity. You know, so if you're hustling all the time, what's the point if you're going in the wrong direction? And too many people are just just screaming down the path and they don't even really know where they're going. They don't know what results they want. And it ends up being like running on a treadmill. Yes, you're running, you're getting some exercise, but you're not getting anywhere. And without clarity, you can't get anywhere. So clarity will only be possible for you if you slow down. Um, if you can't see where you're, you're going, if you're too busy with your head down, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never know what's next. And you will never be able to deal with problems as they come along because you know that's how things are you when you make a plan that you're the best laid plans of mice and men right <laughs> you have to see what's happening along the way and you also have to you have to be able to see opportunities because sometimes things pop up that you couldn't have anticipated that make for an advantageous change and so you, you want to be able to have the still have some bandwidth left that you can see those things and that you can that you can ponder them and that you can act on them. So here's a here's something that you can do. Something that you can actually put in your schedule. Schedule a meeting with yourself every week. You know, it, it doesn't have to be terribly long, you know, it could be an hour, it could be a half hour, but the idea is that you're taking that time to reflect on what your intentions are and to observe any new challenges that are on the horizon or any new opportunities, anything that's showing up for you. It gives you a time to think about what's, what's working with what you're doing and also what's not working. And it tells you where the focus of your energy should be, energy should be in, in the next week. So that gives you an opportunity to, to incorporate clarity as something that's always part of your operation. For a lot of folks, it, clarity is an afterthought. They don't, they don't get around to clarity unless they have time. Well, that's a backwards way of looking at it. 
you want to be clear at all times and you want to operate within the bounds of clarity. So if you're finding you're getting unclear, the answer is to slow down, maybe even to stop so that you can have a chance to, to reconnect with what your true objectives are. And uh, as, as Nick said, he, he, he may uh, chime in at any time, but I want to remind him he can. <laughs> if he's hearing anything at any time, go ahead and interrupt me. I'm here. I'm just listening just now. <laughs> okay. All right. So another thing that you can consider is, you know, <laughs> you can't hustle if you're dead. <laughs> if, if you're, yeah, I realize it's a bit of an exaggeration. But you just can't keep on working and create the, the kind of life you want if you push yourself beyond the limits of what you can perform. That everybody's everybody's got so only so much they can do. You know, I, I presume with everybody you have goals and you want to succeed at those goals. Well, then you have to you have to recognize that you are just one of the tools that you're using. And so it's like any tool you got to. You got to use it within its limits and you got to keep it in good repair. And sometimes you need to set it down for a while. And, and you're a collection of things. You are a collection of mind, body, and spirit. And they all have to be operating at an optimal form if you're going to get optimal results. And so many people will burn out some one, two, or three of those. You know, they just drive themselves to, to oblivion on that. You know, if you, if you burn out your body, if you push yourself beyond your body's limits, it's going to impact what you can do. If you if you stress your mind beyond its limits, you if you push your own spirit beyond its limits. And when I say spirit, I'm talking about, you know, the, the who of what you are. I, I think most of us know that we're not our bodies. We possess a body. But if you understand the concept that my body is just this thing that's carrying me around, but it's not me. And you know it's not me because if you could lock parts of it off and you'd still be you. <laughs> um, well, the same concept applies to your mind. A lot of times folks think, well, I'm not my body, I'm my mind. Well, not really. Your mind is another tool that you are using. And that you is that we'll call that your your spirit um, to, to put it in, just to, to put a, a label on it. Each of those three things has to be happy and healthy and able to bear whatever is is being presented to it so you got to pay attention to yourself yeah so i, I last ken, ken so last week we talked about the uh you know the idea of um treating yourself as if you would treating your mind body spirit as you're calling it here as uh in the way that a professional athlete would so not expecting you know even a sprinter wouldn't expect himself to be sprinting all of the time and uh right. and you know the inevitable inevitable consequence of of doing that is is that they, they would get injured burn out and injured but in a kind of in more mental disciplines that it's more possible to do that but it doesn't mean it's less any less in, injurious is that the right word it doesn't cause you any less injurious <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah yeah i think I, I was thinking about that last year when i was watching watching basketball and Kevin Durant, in you know, uh, in a key moment, just all of a sudden he just fell down, and that was it. He was done for the season. He had torn uh, a tendon, and and it, nobody pushed him. He didn't slip. Nothing. He just he just gave out. Well, he had been pushing his body to the limits. Now this is a professional athlete who's you know at top of his form, one of the greatest players in the game, and he pushed himself too far, and it took him out of the game. Well, an, an analogous thing there is is uh, myself, I, and I'm sure many other people have as well. If you push yourself too hard mentally, your body, your brain will just say, "That's it. I'm I'm checking out for a while." You you, you just get a, you just have a, a burnout, and you can't and and you are out of the game for weeks or months in the same way as an athlete would be injured. So, um, sure, yeah, and I, and I know this is kind of a kind of an omen but you know kevin durant was one of the first uh nba players to actually contract coronavirus <laughs> you know? oh, okay. uh, yeah. we, we have got a question here that's just come in ken that, that's related to this yeah. mm -hmm. uh how 
how can I, how can we achieve big goals if it requires me pushing my limits to achieve it? <laughs> um, well, first off, you're making an assumption that it requires you pushing your limits. The, the, you don't, if it requires you to go over your limits, you will not succeed at your goal. So you, you will need to, to take a look at that again. If, so, if it's something that just requires though you to give your all, not more than your all, but your all, well, then these are the things that are going to help. You're going to have to make sure you're taking time to take care of your body. It means you're going to have to take time to cook a healthy meal or to exercise. And you have to take care of your mind. You'll have to have some time to like maybe to, to do some journaling that you can just dump some things out and get rid of it. You'll have to do some things for your spirit, like meditating is a, is a good example of something a lot of people do for that. It's going to be part of the process. So if you have a big goal, you have to build these things in to what your your daily and weekly tasks are, because it's that maintenance that's going to allow you to continue day after day, week after week, month after month to continue to delivering. If you don't, then you're not going to make, you're just not going to make your goals. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, keep in mind, good. I was just going to say the prevailing uh, wisdom is that you have to push very hard to get the stuff you want to be the winner. And I, I guess what this is all about, and a lot of what we're talking about here is actually you get much, you, you can actually get much more done and you can do it better and you can have a better quality of life if you just don't follow that wisdom and go the opposite way. All so, right. And and let's, let's look at some of the top achievers in the world today. Let, let's take somebody like Oprah Winfrey, or how about, how about, uh, Mark Benioff, who's the CEO of Salesforce, or Ariana Huffington, or Beyonce, or um, the, the CEO of LinkedIn, Jeff Weiner, They all meditate every day, all of them. How on earth do they, with their busy schedules and their amazing level of accomplishment, have time to meditate? And their answer will be that they wouldn't have been able to, to accomplish these things if they hadn't taken that time. So if they can do it, you can do it too. It's, you know, they... Everybody gets the same 24-hour clock. Bill Gates doesn't get any more time than you. <laughs> so you, it's up to you to choose how you manage it and to recognize that – think about this. If you're going to work really hard, you know, the, let's say the average person punching the clock puts in eight hours of work a day, and you say, I can do better than that. I can work a 10-hour day. I can work a 12-hour day. I can work a 16-hour day. Well, how far can you go? 24 is the end. And by the way, if you try to work 24 hours a day, you'll die because you have to sleep because <laughs> your body and your mind demands that. So there is a limit here that you can't work 25, 25 hours a day. It's not possible. So and we need to look at, too, you know, what are we wasting time on? It's a, the average person these days is spending 53 minutes a day on Instagram. <laughs> and that's not counting all the other stuff, you know, the, the Facebook and Snapchat and LinkedIn and Twitter and all the rest of it. So, you know, where are you spending time? What, where are you wasting time? And I don't mean wasting as in that it's you know, not, you know, you, if you sit and watch the sunset, that's actually beneficial for you. Uh, that's not a waste of time. But the time that, you know, you're spending on Instagram, if you're not an Instagram uh, influencer, you know, what, what is that getting you? What value are you getting from that? So you're, you you got to look for the value you're getting from the things you spend your time on. And you will find that that half hour spent exercising makes a huge difference. I, I've noticed for myself, if I get up, if I get up an hour earlier to go to the gym, if I lose an hour's sleep to go to the gym, by the end of the day, I feel much better. I'm much more energetic. I'm, I'm, my mind is clear. Everything's better. And, and theoretically, I lost an hour's sleep. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, it's advantageous. And if I had had to take that hour, not from sleeping, but from my work time, I still am accomplishing more during the day because I'm, I'm staying clear-headed and I'm staying energetic. So then, you know, when it's seven hours of clock time, I get more done than eight hours of clock time if I hadn't bothered to exercise. So it's, it's more to think about. Now there's, there's more. So let's go to the next step. If you will slow down, you will harness the power of emotion. And I know for a lot of scientists, they don't like to think about this, 
they let you know that emotion is something that that should be left for weak-minded people and children it's like but that's not true we're humans and there are benefits to emotions emotions are a guide and, and they help you take inventory of what's happening around you and how best to respond successful people don't try to control their emotions what they do is they make sure that they feel them and manage them but they just don't let them trigger them into bad behaviors or or actions that will do damage so one of the ways to look at emotions then is to start looking at them <laughs> is to actually start. so how about this if you name it you can tame it so if you can stop and slow down and look at what emotions you're experiencing and describe them to yourself then that will give you a process that will allow you to have a healthy response you're not going to just automatically engage your emotion won't take charge you'll have a moment to think in between so for for example anger is a very powerful emotion it tells you when something's wrong and if you harness it it can provide you energy to change whatever is wrong now if you're erratic about it and and you know if you're just hustling for time well then anger is just going to get the best of you and then you're going to fly off the handle and you're going to say things that you're going to regret later and you're going to make other people angry and and all of that works against you actually accomplishing things so if you instead slow down a bit and go wow look at this i just got mad what did i get mad about well somebody promised something they didn't deliver why did that happen did they have all the information they needed? Did, were they clear what I expected? Did did they have too much going on in their world that they couldn't get it done? Or are they showing that they do not care about our relationship or that they feel like they don't have to respond to me? You know, these are all questions you, that when you have the answers gives you a much clearer picture instead of just yelling back at somebody or writing writing that that email that you would have never sent in person to somebody uh, that doesn't actually get them to move or if it does get them to move it does it at a cost that that you don't want to pay so understand that going when you go slower you'll be far more in charge of your emotions and if you've found that you are occasionally getting taken over by your emotions the solution is to slow down we hope you're enjoying this episode of Listen In from Bite Size Bio. To access the visuals of this webinar, please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. And it's worth noting, about going. It's worth noting that emotions can include there, uh, not just outgoing, not like uh, aggressive things like fe uh, anger and so on, but that can also just be anxiety or fear. What you know, sure. so which is a lot. You know, if you're overworked, that's a that's a sim that's pretty common feeling. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it, you know, it's not just about negative emotions either. Even positive emotions can can steer you and take you away in a in a way that you weren't expecting. Because you know, let's say that you um, you get a really positive result in a in a, a certain test or experiment, and now you're you know you're just overly optimistic about everything that could come after that. Well. If you can just see that for what it is, I mean, it's great. You want to celebrate your successes, but if you can recognize, okay, that's just about this success. There's still other steps to go, and I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over the problems that are still to be solved. Then you'll you'll be much clearer, and that clarity is going to help you. Another thing that happens here is that you know this is what we've been talking about. It's when you slow down, it's going to help you make better decisions, and you know we're all very invested in these decisions that we're making. So you can imagine if you know if you were a car engine and all the time it was just pedal to the metal and red line on RPMs all the time, that that engine is gonna overheat and fail. It, it just it just you just can't do it well. But if you slow down and you have time for rest, time for pondering, for for thinking, for just you know contemplating well then you're going to be able to make better decisions you're going to lower your baseline of mental stress you know when your mind's racing it is hard to make good decisions 
it's not as free to absorb information. It doesn't have access to all the circumstances that to draw on so as to make good decisions. Now, I mean, there are people that that really thrive off of an intense environment and some people that do really well in intense environments, but even they take a break. So you, you take like somebody that works in an emergency room, emergency room nurse and emergency room doctor. They're waiting. But when those doors swing open, it all is happening right now. And, you know, somebody may literally die in minutes or seconds if they don't act quickly. But they've already keyed everything in. They got a system in mind for everything. They got a, they got protocol. They're ready for that. And the reason for that is because they took the time to get the protocol and get it in place and to get it installed in their own head. You know, so this is how you'll make the best decisions in the moment. If you're prepared to make decisions, if you're in a position where sometimes things happen, you know, where there's a very fast moving environment, the answer is to prepare it ahead of time so that when you're making decisions in, at a fast pace, that they're good ones. Okay. So what all this really boils down to then is you got to change your focus. Your focus can't just be on my objective is to finish this project. You got to continually be focused on reducing your own stress, noticing your own stress. When you notice that you're stressed, then you can then you're in a position to mitigate the causes of the stress. Now, sometimes you can't, but what you can do then is you can say, all right, well, then I need to harden myself. I need to strengthen myself for a stress that is unavoidable. So it gives you it gives you the opportunity to be prepared for what's coming. Now, this is not to say that now my my main objective in life is to remain stress free, because actually life is about stress and stress isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, all left, life goes through stresses and happy occasions cause stress. I mean, that's actually well studied that falling in love puts you under stress. You know? Well, you know, it's we don't stay away from things. We, we still want to have interactions with other humans and and humans are what causes stress. <laughs> but um, if you recognize that you can reduce the stress, well, you can always keep it in a manageable level. So, okay, this is why you should go slow. So the obvious next question is going to be like, well, how am I supposed to do that? Before we dive into how exactly, before we dive into that, Ken, there's a few questions that might be worth dealing with now. Um, two okay. of them are two of them are related. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so one is uh, on one side. How to figure out? How do you figure out whether you are um, you're just being lazy or not? You know what? what where, how to figure out where the boundary is between, or the sweet spot is between laziness and pushing yourself too hard? I guess uh, another one. How do you cope with being demotivated? So that's two on the kind right. of negative side. Um, okay, great. Go then first. Okay, so let's let's start with lazy. One of the things that I mean, this this is a really great question, by the way, because sometimes we make the the assumption that everybody who shows up for for this kind of presentation, they're you know an A type personality and they're always burning into both ends, but that's not true for everybody. So the question is. Am I being self-sparing? Is that what this is about? Am I looking to have the least amount of effort, the least amount of change, the you know, the least amount of of any interruption in my self-sparingness? And that's something you have to assess for yourself. If if you're finding that's how your personality is going, that you're always, always just, how can I make this easier for me? Well, then you start. You need to start asking some questions for yourself. You know, why am I like that? Everybody's not like this. Why am I so self-sparing? And start digging into that. And I think we've talked about this before. The asking, asking why until it stops making sense. Like, you know, why did I avoid putting my hand up saying I'll take that assignment? Well, because it looked like a lot of work. Well, why is that a problem? Well, because I'm worried that if I took it on. I wouldn't be able to do the work necessary to get it done. 
well, why don't I think I can get the work done? Well, because I failed before. Why did I fail before? Well, I didn't always prepare for what I was needed to do. Why didn't I prepare? Because I was being self-serving again. <laughs> so you start to see a loop going here and you go, okay, this is really not working for me. I think I'm being self-sparing, but I'm not sparing myself. I'm actually causing myself some problems here and maybe even some direct pain because of that. And so, you know, you look for that. And this idea of being lazy, it's funny, you know, where I grew up in the culture I grew up in, to be lazy was a horrible thing. It was just, if somebody called you lazy, that was just the most invective insult you could possibly have. Well, years later, I uh, had a stepson. I encountered him first when he was 13 years old. And one day I realized he was really lazy and it was really bothering me and I wanted to help him. And so I was having a conversation with him and I said, you know, I, I, I hate to say this to you, but you're lazy. And he looked me in the eye and went, yeah, no harm. That just didn't, didn't bother him at all. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> I, I was so worried to say this to you because I thought it was such a deep insult. And you're not taking it as an insult. Do you think it's not a bad thing to be lazy? He said, no, I don't think it's bad to be lazy. Oh, <laughs> well, then I can have a different conversation with you. <laughs> so it's like, well, let me, you know, let's lay out what are the, what are the costs of being lazy? I understand the benefits, but what are the costs of being lazy? And he had never considered that there was a cost to it. So, so that's the, the thing to look at is, is when, if you find a behavior that you feel like could be detrimental to you, it's, we'll dig into that to find out why you feel it would be detrimental to you. And that'll help move you off the dime. So when you realize, Hey, I'm, I'm engaging in this behavior. It's not about the specific project. It's not about the specific task. Cause sometimes we find yourself rebelling against or, or avoiding doing a certain thing. It's like, why wouldn't I do that? It's not hard. I've done it many times before. Uh, it's just the pattern now. So you deconstruct the pattern. By taking that moment of thought and going, why? Ask yourself why. And, and don't let yourself off the hook, man. When you ask yourself why, you have to be brutal with yourself about it. It's like, no, I will have the answer. And then I'm going to ask why again. And we're going to go all the way until we get the, to absolute base metal. This is what is ultimately motivating this behavior in me. And that'll give you the opportunity to fix it or to change it. I say fix. It may not be broken, but you know, you may allow you to alter it. Isn't there a flip side to that, Ken, where uh, it depends on what you're labeling as laziness? And as much as, uh, or if you are, not, if you consider I, I'm not working 12 hours a day, I'm being lazy. Uh, and you're, and, and it's your definition of laziness yeah. and, and not laziness that's the problem. That's true. That's, and again, this all comes down to, to taking a moment and getting a very clear picture of what's in front of you. Uh, and, 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 you know, be a, be a scientist about this. See what is there. Collect the data that is available and don't judge the data. Just let the data be what it is. I, I know for me, I, 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 that's, that's what I used to feel was that if I didn't put a certain amount of hours in, um, and especially that was expected by someone else, then I, I was lazy. And then I switched to um, looking at... Um, Rather than hours, what am I, what's my output? And if you look at it like that, then you can uh, and, and measure based on what you're what you're accomplishing rather than how many hours you're putting in. Then it's often is um, easy to is often more beneficial because you can see, oh well, I can actually work less less hours than I think and still achieve uh, enough in quotes. Uh, and then it's just a different right. way to look at it. Yeah, you can't put effort in your bank account. People often value effort over accomplishment. And it's it's just it's just the wrong way to go. Effort, you won't you will not get anything but a participation award for effort. If you actually wanna if you actually wanna win, you gotta accomplish things. It's and it's fine. Yeah, you can put in less effort and accomplish more. It's literally the tortoise and the hare, isn't it? The hare's going crazy yeah, trying yeah. to get there, not thinking about it. And the torch just makes pro solid progress and uh, and wins. Yeah. You know? 
So here's another uh, extension of that. So uh, how you know what's the what's the line between uh, laziness and procrast procrastination, and how can you justify procrastination? Okay. Um, the, the, when it comes to procrastination, again, there's often something underneath the waterline, and you got to ask yourself why. Why at this moment am I procrastinating? Because you may find you may find that you have an overall characteristic of being a procrastinator. Well, that's something you really ought to dig deeper into with yourself. But most of us, that's not what we are all the time. But every once in a while, we're going, I'm avoiding a task. I, I'm just keep procrastinating on it. I keep pushing it off. And I never say no to it. It's always like, yeah, I'm going to do something else before I do that. <laughs> I just got to, I can do these two other things and then I'll get right back to that. We're, we're telling ourselves that story all the time. And again, it's just because it's something we don't want to see. And so we don't want to look at it. We don't want to know. We're afraid the answer. We're afraid to know why it is we're avoiding it. And courage is a fundamental characteristic of life. And we, you see that all the way down to bacteria. If it has the courage to keep going, it'll survive. And this is the same thing with you. It, it, procrastination is is something where you are absent of courage. You need courage to face whatever it is that's bothering you about it. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to face doing it. Maybe maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe it shouldn't be done at all. Maybe it should be done by somebody else. But until you examine why am I hesitating here, until you give yourself an answer for that, you won't know. And so I, I just want to encourage you to ask why about yourself all the time. I'm sure you're asking why all day long at work. You're doing it all day long in in the science that you do. Well, make yourself a scientific study. Study you. You know, you, and nobody's going to know you better than you. And and you'd be shocked how how poorly you know you at this moment. You can do better at it. <laughs> and it, it just comes from using those that that simple simple technique. Now. <laughs> We've already spent a lot of time here talking about why you should want to slow down, but we got to get to how. <laughs> how really matters. So let, let's let's dig into a few things that that you can do. One thing you can do is wake up slowly. If you if you find yourself every day the alarm clock goes off, you launch out of bed, and and you you know you have to go straight to check in your email, or you got to turn on the news immediately, or you got to got to check your voicemail or your text messages. That is a hard way to wake up. So cut yourself a little slack and it, and try and change your morning routine so you can wake up a little more slowly. Because you, you think about the what you're doing to your body when you just you go straight from asleep to having to be 100% awake. You know, you're forcing stress hormones into your bloodstream. It, you're making it really hard on yourself. But if you could set your alarm for 10 minutes earlier than you would normally get up, and that 10 minutes is not to be invaded on, you're not getting up 10 minutes early to do what you always do. You're getting up 10 minutes early so you can just take it easy for a moment. Take a moment to drink a glass of water, to do a little gentle stressing, uh, stretching, that is, um, to, to just give it a moment. So that you can walk to the kitchen to make a cup of coffee instead of run. Um, and you can take your time. So I would I would challenge you to take seven days of getting up 10 minutes early where you are not allowed to do any of the things you normally do when you get up. All you are allowed to do is to take it easy. To take a moment to look out the window. To just sit in a chair and not have to think about anything and just let whatever comes to you come to you. 10 minutes, wake up slowly, seven days, give it a shot. Next thing you need to do is you need to identify what is most important today. Now I know you've all got to-do lists and there's probably a zillion things on them. Um, and you're not gonna get all those things done today, are you? Because you never do. The problem we have every day is we start with a to-do list that is impossible 
couldn't possibly be accomplished today. And there's all these things on that list that aren't going to, that are not going to be able to be finished today. And yet you're constantly giving them attention today because you keep looking at that list and going, oh, about that. No, I can't do that yet. And you're, you waste so much time and attention that way. So um, there's, a, there's a wonderful book, and we'll have this in the show notes. It's called uh, The Power of Less by Leo Babauta. And he talks about how you should pick out the three most important tasks for your day, every day. And then, <laughs> this is an important point, do them first. Nothing else gets to be done until the three most important tasks are done. And that is your list for today. Anything else you might happen to do is great. But th those three things got to get done. Now, and I say three, it may be possible that, that there isn't time to do even through those three things. Well, then fine. Let it be two. Let it be one. And if you got one thing that's going to consume your whole day, it's probably not a singular task. You should break that into multiple parts. But get super, super clear on identifying what is most important. And what is most important is often the stuff that's hardest to do, the most distasteful and the most painful and, and the most frightening. I want you to do those things first. Do them first, get it over with, and then see what happens. You're going to find it's a far more rewarding day when you get that stuff done. And it's not hanging over your head. And when, when something gets pushed to the next day that you were scared to do today, you're going to be more scared to do it tomorrow it it's going to be painful and anybody who has lived their life thinking that you know last minute panic is the motivation that i need to get something done <laughs> and i you know i may well say that's well proven in my life you know that's how i that's how i got through my degree program that's how i how i got got this job in the first place that's you know maybe true you have been doing it that way but it is a very very hard way to go and, and you're at maybe asking yourself, well, how do I motivate myself? Because I, I can't seem to do it. I'm too frightened. Well, the answer is because you're going slow and you're taking time to ask why, you can find out why you're afraid, why you're afraid of doing that task. And you will find more and more that if you do that, you'll stop having tasks in your life you're afraid of. And so this necessity of I have to push myself to be terrified before I can move will be gone. It changes your world. You don't have to be afraid to get things done. Fear does not have to be a, a constant companion in your life. Okay, so that kind of gets into the, the next point. One of the fears that we have is that we're going to miss out. I got to I got to be involved in anything and everything or you know I might I might not be able to enjoy my life. Well, but that, it's just not true. At any given moment, you can only be doing one, doing you know a certain number of things, and other things are just not going to make the list. You know, you go into a restaurant and you look at a big long menu, and if you order the salad, you're not going to have room to eat the fish. If you have the fish, you're not going to have the chicken, and if you have the chicken, you're not going to have the steak. Do you lament that as you're in a restaurant? It's like, oh no. If I have this, I won't be able to have that. Yeah, you can. Come back tomorrow. You know, <laughs> so don't worry about what you're missing. Focus on what you're getting in this moment. At this moment, you're enjoying the entree that's on your plate. And, and it's the one you ordered, so it must be something you like. And presuming the restaurant doesn't screw up, everything's good. You're not missing out on anything, not in reality. We got to differentiate between things that are in reality and things that are possibilities. And so many times people are holding possibilities open because, well, then I might be able to do them. But you have to understand all of those possibilities are not real. Possibilities haven't happened. They, it doesn't matter until you make a choice. And by golly, I'm having the fish. Well, you're not missing out on anything. You actually were missing out on everything when you didn't make the choice. Well, now go in, make the choices and be happy with the choices. And there'll be more choices to make going forward. Another thing that's kind of related to that, that people do is they compare themselves to others. Well, I'm having the fish, but 
you're having the chicken and that looks really good. I should have got that. You know, stop it. <laughs> you're having the fish. It's all good. And tomorrow you can have the chicken. Or maybe not. Maybe you can't have it tomorrow. You know, I can't go to this restaurant every day. Can't afford it. <laughs> or I can't afford the calories. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. And you may be thinking, I have to keep up with other people in the lab and, and other people at the company or other people in the industry. You know, you don't. You don't have to keep up with anybody. You can just compare yourself to what's what's possible for you. And it is possible that certain people will exceed you in certain ways at certain times. So what? <laughs> it's not the end of the world. You're, you're, you're going to have your own successes. And you're going to be your own person. And we've all seen this with people that, uh, that are super competitive. And we watch the price they pay. And, you know, maybe it hurts them in their relationships. Maybe it hurts their health, whether that's physical or mental. Maybe they have some kind of, you know, spiritual, moral, moral, ethical crisis because they keep pushing themselves so, so, so hard. What a price they are paying to not get the end goal in many cases. So do the best you can with what you have available to you. Don't worry about what they do with what they have available to them. And you're going to find that you are much more successful. And you may find that you will succeed at things that other people don't. It's not always that, hey, somebody else is winning and I'm losing. You may may well find that you will win plenty of the time if you can manage to have a, a pace that you can keep, that you can just keep going forever. You get, you know, stop sprinting when you should be marathoning. It's all about, can you go the distance? And some people may push ahead of you for a minute, but you'll find you'll pass them up because they burned themselves out and they've been busily staring at you, trying to compare themselves instead of paying attention to themselves. Another thing that we can do, technology is wonderful. You know, and I mean, I, my personal background is computer science. I've been using computers since before they were popular for people to use them. And I, I know their power and I love them. And, you know, it's amazing to me that we all have a phone in our pocket that has, you know, a thousand times the computing power that took spacecraft to the moon. <laughs> um, but it is having a psychological impact on us. And a lot of these apps, they are built specifically to keep us roped in. A lot of these websites are built specifically to keep us roped in. And we, we keep getting that that uh you know that serotonin hit from every time we check instagram and every time that we we look to see how many text messages we have and, and you can you can take a break from your phone some people will do this where it's like okay when they come home at nine o'clock it's a no phones anymore you know 9 p.m um some people it's like i do not look at my phone until 8 a.m. I get up at six, but I don't look at my phone till late. You know, so give yourself a break. And it's not just the phone; it's the computer, it's it's the television, it's you know anything that is is tech. And it might be it might be your espresso machine. You know <laughs> that sometimes it is good to do things manually. Sometimes it is good to take a walk instead of drive the car. You know, sometimes you need to set aside all, all of this technology that is trying to control our lives. And it isn't doing it, you know, with malice. It doesn't know any better. It's, it's dumb that way. It's just knows that I serve this function. So I will keep pushing you to do whatever you are supposed to do so I can do my, my function. That's the, that is the life of an iPhone. <laughs> so remember, it's a tool. It's there for your benefit and not the other way around. Another thing, and this is especially true right now, turn off the news. <laughs> you know how much has changed since yesterday? Not that much. <laughs> uh, it used to be that, that Walter Crockett had to come on for a half hour every evening and tell us everything we needed to know. 
Well, now there's 24-hour news stations, and there's multiples of them. And they got to talk about something all day long, but that's all they do is talk. And it, it isn't helping you. So put yourself on a news diet. Only see it so often. I heard a little blip. I just want to make sure I'm still online. You're fine. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Again, the technology was talking to me and I had to respond to it. <laughs> and you know, a lot of people are addicted to the news. Man, they just they just can't wait. The first thing they do when they get in the door is to check the news. And, and the first thing when they get up in the morning. And I will grant you that news does impact many of our lives and many of our livelihoods. But whether or not you are up to the second is probably not necessary. So you know, be be more thoughtful about, about what intervals you're going to let it into your life. Okay. Next one. This is this is uh, just some good advice. And uh, this comes from years of doing software development. In the software development world, there was a what was a big, big study that was done a long time ago. And they found that people that were really, really great at managing software projects and knew um, how to estimate those software projects. The people who were the best at it were generally off by, that generally took twice as long as they planned. And so it became an adage in software development that we literally block twice as much time for development as our worst case scenario is. And this has been an effective method that has been used to get us all the way into the internet age. <laughs> so it, it's something interesting to consider. You know, it's so easy to underestimate and to not think about through all the details. And there's nothing worse than being pushed for time. And, and it's, if we don't have a proper deadline, we may automatically create for ourselves a rushed and stressful situation. So imagine now that you have a task, you think it's going to take an hour to do, but you block two hours for it. And let's say it does take longer than an hour. It takes an hour and a half. Well, you end up feeling good about that. And you have 30 minutes that you can use for something else. Whereas if it took 90 minutes and you'd blocked an hour for it, well, that was, you were going to have 30 minutes of high stress time and 30 minutes being robbed from some other important thing, all gone. So and again, you may the first, I, I know people's first reaction to this is, I can't do that. I just can't do that. You can't do it or you won't do it. Or you won't even try it. You won't experiment. Try it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, or oh, my boss won't put up with it. Or like, like, oh yeah, check it out. Try it. See what happens. Give it a shot. And you will find more often than not that you can't actually plan that way. And it will create a far less stressful environment. Remember, we talked about that early on in this, that reducing stress, that is the objective here. That's what going slow is giving you. Okay. Now, when it comes to time, it's one other thing. You only do one thing at a time. Now, I know all of you are proud multitaskers. Well, I, I wrote an article several years ago that was reviewing a Stanford study on multitasking. And that study was brutal. <laughs> it was, it was, and again, we'll put, I'll put this in the show notes, the article and the, the study. Um, you think you're a good multitasker. You're not. And I know you think, oh yeah, I am. I am. I really am. I'm the exception. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, it's all over the place. If you will do one thing at a time, you will find you get more done and you will have less stress in your life. And it's not going to help you. You think you can do two things at once. If you do two things at once, you, you limit your focus on both things at once. So it, it really is costly. Here's an example of people driving and talking on a cell phone. Now we all know, you know, that's just, Bad, 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 bad. Don't be, you know, holding that cell phone to your ear while you're driving because, you know, terrible things could happen. Yes, terrible things can happen. And they do because people keep doing it <laughs> because they think they can multitask. And what the, what the study found, and you think that the, that the phone call was distracting people from their driving. Well, that would be true if the driving was the primary activity. 
But when you're talking on the phone while driving, the primary activity is talking on the phone. So the driving at best is distracting from your phone call. And oh boy, that puts you hurtling down the road uh, at 55 miles an hour with with 4,000 pounds of metal, not really giving it any attention at all. It's dangerous. So it, and obviously that's something I'm only kind of multitasking there is. And it's obviously too that not all multitasking would be dangerous. It's just not as effective. So give yourself a break. Do one thing at a time. If you're following the method of having three important things to do today, that won't be, you won't have that emphasis to try and do multiple things at once. And that's what's usually happening. You're not multitasking because it's a great idea. You're multitasking because you feel like I don't have any choice left. I can't get all the stuff done as it is. And, and by the way, you're not going to get it all done by multitasking. You're, you know, you're still just kidding yourself. Okay. Another thing to do is consider your relationship with substances. When I say substances, I mean things like caffeine, nicotine, alcohol, food, and whatever else is going on for you. How important are they to me? How much do I, are they controlling what I do or don't do? Do I find that I have to, have to, have to have that cup of coffee to get fired up in the morning? And I got to keep doing it all day long or, or I won't make it through the day, but then I can't sleep that night. Or, you know, the same is true of any other substance. And I'm, and, you know, obviously some people have taken these substances to the point of addiction. And some of those addictions have become socially acceptable. Being addicted to caffeine is entirely socially acceptable. Heroin, not so much, (laughs) but you know, the, the rationale is the same. We don't want to have anything, anything having control over us. And if we're finding that I have to have this, I got to have this boost so that I can function. Well, that's how you end up eating the whole, you know, a whole row of Oreos. <laughs> it, it, we, we make choices then that otherwise we wouldn't have made that don't do us much good. And, and in some cases may do us a lot of harm. So it's something to do to can take inventory of, is there anything controlling me? And if there is, I promise you it's taken time away from you, which, which is why you have to go so fast all the time. So something to consider. So what kind of things can you do slower? There's, there's some interesting things, just, just some ideas. And again, you don't have to do any of these things or all of them, but if something rings your time, do it. You know, if you take a shower every morning, how about taking a bath instead of a shower? Take, just take a little more time for yourself there. Something you can do slower. You normally load things in the dishwasher. Wash some dishes by hand. Then you don't have to do the whole dishwasher load, but maybe wash a few dishes by hand just to have the experience of it. Um, can you, instead of watching TV, can you pick up a book and read? Reading takes a little longer than watching. All right, let's say you do read. Maybe read a lot. It would be necessary for your work. Could you take some time to just think instead of read? You've already had a lot of input, no doubt, in your life. Maybe take a little time to process some of that input and not just constantly cram more in there. All right, let's say that you do that. I do take time to think about the stuff I've read. Well, Perhaps you can take it to the next step and meditate. Meditating is where you're actually going to tell those thoughts, not now. We're going to let them just go on by. You're going to have a different experience. These are all things that you can do to go slower. Another thing you might think about is food. A lot of people treat food only as fuel. Other people treat food as total indulgence material. It's it's all a it's all about about insatiable satisfaction. Well, when you eat, eat more slowly. You know, there's a slow food movement. It's a great idea. Instead of wolfing down that, that burger and fries, you take a little time and actually notice what you're eating and eat less of it and enjoy it and look for ways to enjoy it. 
you know, and sometimes we think, oh, the only way I can enjoy this is if I pour lots of fat or lots of sugar on it. That's not true. The, 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 you may be surprised what just a red pepper tastes like. A raw red pepper, if you just cut it and eat it. Take a moment to simplify how you approach food. There is nothing that says that you can't have, you know, just cauliflower for dinner. You can do that. Now, obviously, people say, well, oh, I can't eat cauliflower. You know, it's good, good, good. I can't eat tomatoes. Well, don't, don't eat that then. <laughs> but you can have something else that's healthy and, and you can just savor it and take a little time with it and have it with other people and get other people involved in that too and say, hey, tonight we're going to all have a one item meal. It's got to be something healthy and everybody gets to pick their one item. So like I'm having cauliflower, I'm having broccoli, I'm having a lean steak, I'm having a chicken breast, I'm having red pepper, you know, whatever. Everybody can do their own thing and just have that and make it simple. It doesn't, obviously not every meal and you get to have as much as you want. You know, if, if you're only having, if you're only having cauliflower, for dinner, you better be prepared to eat the whole cauliflower head because, <laughs> you know, it's mostly water. You're going to need you need a lot and you're going to need more time for chewing. And you're going to, you know, you're going to have to to just be present with it a little longer and not be worried about what am I going to do next? Be present with that meal. Eat that meal now and and be present with the meal. Another thing you can do if you have dogs or cats, you've all seen this when they wake up. What do they invariably do? And they all do it. They stretch and they stretch slowly and lazily. And yet notice how relaxed they look after they do that. How come we're not as smart as our dogs? <laughs> we launch into everything. Take a moment to stretch a little, just to, to, you know, not be worrying about the next thing to do and the next appointment, to just take that breath, be present in that moment. And, and just breathe. And, you know, do that every time you get up. When you get up out of that chair, stretch a little. And I realize, you know, if you're in the lab, you're in the office, you know, well, I don't want to look like a moron. But, you know, you can discreetly stretch. <laughs> it can be done. And then again, maybe you don't care what other people think. So go ahead and have that good, just nice, long, beautiful stretch. And let people see the smile on your face. And, and let them recognize that, hey, you know what? He still gets stuff done, even though he takes a moment to stretch. <laughs> Another thing is how much noise pollution are you putting in your own life? Do you have constant music on? Is that all the time? Take a moment to turn that stuff off and just hear what's going on and hear the buzz of the machinery or the click of the clock or the sound of the air through the air vents, whatever the rhythm of life is. Take a moment to actually hear it instead of blocking it out with a constant trail of noise. So, well, that took a while, <laughs> almost the whole hour. Nick, yeah. is there any, any other topics to cover there? Yeah, I've got a couple of questions that have come in that I, that I think are, are quite useful actually for um, general consumption. So one okay. uh, <clears throat> is if you have uh, a medical diagnosis of, for example, anxiety or depression, and you're trying to live a routine, uh, you're trying to live a life, um, you know, that, that is where you're achieving what you want to achieve, but you're suffering with the, you know, the side effects here of kind of stress or lack of focus. How, how, how does that factor into what you're saying here? Okay. Part of this has to come down to setting your own expectations for what what's possible for you and what's possible for your body and what's possible for your mind if if you are living in such a way that that you are so stressed that you cannot function without you know medication that you may not like um and may have side effects you don't care for you may have to reset your own expectations now, I'm certainly not telling somebody not to go to the doctor if they are suffering from anxiety or anything like that, or that they shouldn't take their meds. They absolutely should, you know, under a doctor's care. But you got to look at the bigger picture and go, why is this necessary for me or for this body at this time? And see what is going on there. 
and you you can get yourself in a space where other people don't have that. Why me? This is so unfair. And you can waste a lot of cycles on how unjust it is that you're feeling anxiety. It's not unjust. It's just what is. And the more we fight against the reality in front of us, the more we will suffer. So it comes down to, to really cultivating acceptance. Well, this is how it is. You know, as we get older, there's things we can't do when we're younger. When we were younger, there were things we weren't allowed to do until we were older. Every stage of life, there are things like that. Sometimes there are things that last the whole lifetime. And other things, they just, they're there for a time. But whatever is happening for you right now, for right now, the circumstances you're in are the ones that are there. So start from where you are. Don't, don't worry about whether it's fair or unfair, whether you like it or don't like it. It doesn't matter if you hate it. If this is what is, this is where you have to start from. So, so accept where you are and then, then you will see from that point your options will open up for you. Until you accept where you are, you will not see your options. Okay, and uh, another question uh, about, so going slower, um, you know, using that to increase productivity and so on, um, and get more space and um, enjoyment in your life. How do you do that when you uh, are in a working environment that's toxic with perhaps a demanding boss, stressed coworkers, uh, when the environment's unsupportive, of you only have so much strength to maintain your own space. How do you in, invoke things like this and and uh, in that sort of environment where there's pressure not to? Well, I, I would say that, that there's pressure too now to invoke those things for yourself. If, okay, if the well, environment is that bad. There's pressure to, not, to appear not to. Get, how about that? There's pressure to appear. Okay. Uh, appear to not be doing stuff and be going with the flow of just hammering it as hard as you can. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> presuming this is an environment that you are willing to remain in, you know, because obviously one answer to this is get out of that toxic environment. Um, but presuming it's a place you, you want to be and it's got other pluses to it that make it worthwhile, you're still going to find that there's some things you can do for yourself privately for your own sanity and your own productivity that doesn't have to be demonstrated to the world. Um, so like, for instance, when you get clear on what are the three things I have to do today, you don't have to have that conversation with anybody. And mm -hmm. just having that clarity is going to make it a less stressful environment for you. Yeah. At the end of the day, everybody has been told they had to get 10 things done. Nobody's going to have 10 things done because it wasn't doable and neither will you, but it won't matter because you will have the satisfaction of knowing I did accomplish what I knew I could accomplish. And I'm not going to worry about the, the pressure from the boss yelling about the seven things that didn't get done because you know what? I did the three that were doable and, and I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy that. Whereas everybody else is going to feel defeated about the seven things they didn't do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know, a lot of it, it it's incremental. You got to take charge of everything you can, and you got to accept the things you can't take charge of. Yeah. Okay. So I think that uh, brings us to the end of today's webinar. So thank you, Ken. Yeah. That, that was very illuminating. Right. For that, I forgot to show y'all. <laughs> The beauty of noise and silence. Oh, keep that one for next time. <laughs> there you go. Well, next time. Well, there's next time. Yeah. Next time we're going to talk about managing your energy. Okay, and that's going to be next week. Is that right? Well, let's see if it's going to be next week or the week after. We're still we're still working this out here, and and, um, and you know we too are we take our own medicine here. It's like you know I don't want to push this too fast. Uh, but I also want to go as fast as we can go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you, you got to have, you got to hear a behind the scenes conversation between Nick and I. <laughs> <laughs> Normally it's a lot tougher. You're a lot tougher on me. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I usually, yes. To, to be fair here, you're all thinking that Nick is the guy who'd be hard on me. No, it's the other way around all the time. <laughs> all right. 
Okay, so I'm looking forward to that one. I think everyone got a lot out of that, judging by the responses and the questions that are the, the group the questions that came in and the responses that are coming in afterwards. Thanks for all of those, everyone. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to the next one. Um, thanks everyone for uh, coming, uh, taking the time to attend and listen in. If you've enjoyed it and you'd like to view the recording or share it with your friends, that will be on the uh, the webinars page at bitesizebio.com slash webinars within the next 24 hours, and you'll receive a link to the recording as well. So until uh, next time, good luck in your research and goodbye from all of us at The Happy Scientist and Bite Size Bio. We hope you enjoyed this episode of listening from Bite Size Bio. To view the full presentation of this webinar or to browse the listening series, please see the episode description for links. Finding the right mentor can make all the difference in your research journey. But what if you don't have one? Look no further than Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast that offers curated advice from experienced researchers on lab skills, techniques, and career progression. With short, easy-to-access episodes, you can get the help you need to succeed in the lab. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Mentors at Your Benchside in your podcast app to subscribe and get help and advice from seasoned scientists.